Support for Laser Time is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code LASERTIME. One word, LASERTIME, at manscaped.com. Once again, that promo code is LASERTIME for 20% off and free worldwide shipping at manscaped.com. Heath Ledger's Night to Shine, more FX, and Women Are Funny, the movie, this week on 30 2010. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the uh, Laser Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you back, uh, helping you look across three decades of music, movies, TV, video games, and so very much more. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and my bachelorette party theme actually was Fight Club. It was great. Like, I showed up, and they were all in sweats, and they just beat the shit out of me. It was great. It was uh, wonderful. It was great. I had my coffee mug robe on. It was awesome. And, oh, and, such memories. <laughs> and who else? It's me, Sarah, and suck my dick, Jerry Lewis. Women are funny. <laughs> Is that the guy we're attributing that to? <laughs> He, I think he famously said he thought women weren't funny. I mean, a lot among of other people. people. Who say that. Yeah, it's true. They suck. He's just the one that I'm pinning it on today. But yes, 2011 especially will t- show you. Ooh. Ooh, we got some funny ladies. Right. I mean, a, a movie that came up repeatedly when people were talking about best of the decade. Mm-hmm. And people forget about comedies when they do that. So yeah. It's an experience I can't. Just the experience of seeing that movie, I'll never forget. Cannot wait Same. to talk about it, and and a bunch of other fun stuff. Got to say right off the bat, this show is executive produced by Jason Fletcher and other many fine people at Patreon.com/slash/LaserTime. Five bucks will give you extra stuff. There's a new episode of Sick of Star Wars, new episode of Thirty Twenty Ten Games, where uh, the Video Game Apocalypse boys go further in depth on the games. Uh, we are almost entirely crowd supported, and we have been for some time. We cannot thank you guys enough for sticking with us as we troll through season six of Thirty Twenty Ten. Uh, does that mean we're over the halfway point? Or are we going to keep the show going? I don't know. Keep it going, baby. Let's see. We'll see, man. If, if Diane and Sarah don't fire me. Um, or die. <laughs> but we're talking about the week of May 7th to the 13th in 1991. So we're going to be talking about open up three little portals, and we'll go through 1991, 2001, and 2011 and tell you everything cool that happened that week. And uh, I, the, the stupid bit of news I found to bring you into the world of 1991, that's where it will begin. It's one of the best talk show clips I've ever seen. Michael Landon makes his final appearance on The Tonight Show following a very public cancer diagnosis. He is visibly skinnier. And I don't know how it happened, but he's not only is he claiming I'm going to beat it and is very upbeat, he has about 15 minutes of cancer-based material that fucking murders. Uh, <laughs> it's it's all funny. And Michael he, Landon is Little House on the Prairie, right? Yeah, Highway yeah. to Heaven. Yeah, yeah, he and I don't I don't remember much of those shows, but I know my mom was into them, and him dying was like kind of on a Chadwick Boseman level of like this is fucking bullshit, way too early, and like mm-hmm. I it, so for me this yeah. feels like the eighties, but yeah, this is happening in like nineteen ninety one. But he's not known for being like a stand-up, right? Or no. a particularly no. comedy person. No, but he's no. a charismatic, 
handsome man. Right. Yeah, and yeah. and he's got beautiful a, hair. He is visibly skinnier, but his hair is huge. It's it, he looks great. <laughs> he nice. looks great. And this is just him dispelling j- just one little chunk on dispelling uh, tabloid rumors. You said when you did that. You know, you wanted to get it out because if you're in the public eye and one person knows something or two people, the whole town eventually is going to know it and then it filters through here and there. And you call them and and laid it out and... Well, one thing I want to clear up right away, there was the tenth child business. I I, I missed that. Well, there's a big headline in one of these uh, incredible magazines about the fact that I want to have a tenth child so my wife will have something to remember me by. I mean, I got nine kids, (laughs) nine dogs... Three grandkids, one in the oven, three parrots, and my wife, Cindy, needs something to remember me. By. I, I just can't. I can't. It's it's 1991. This dude has a ton of funny cancer material, <laughs> like of I'm about to it. die material. It's pretty insane. I thoroughly recommend these Michael Landon clips on Johnny I, Carson. I feel like we're gonna find out. Like Bruce Valanche wrote half those jokes. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like a very 1991 thing. I mean, it is also punctuated by the weirdness that Michael Landon would not beat this and no. would very publicly pass away. But no, it, uh, he's got less than two months. Yeah, yeah. Pancreatic cancer is a bad one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm it's saying that as in like if you if you were going out that way. What a fun thing to do to for people to remember you by. Go on a, the biggest yeah, talk show in the world great. for 15 minutes and just kill with positive humor. Love it. So, yeah. Just wanted to point that out for you. Moving into the movies of 1991, May 7th to the 13th. Oh, why couldn't I make time for Jamie Rose and Catherine Carlin and Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town? Oh, you didn't. No. I, oh, I, man. I didn't think it would be that much better than the first one, just changing the location like that. I mean, you start out in Branson and then end up in Zombie Town. Now, I've yes, there was not time yeah, for this one. I know. Obviously, we got a high concept trauma movie. It is kind of fun because it has very early appearances of Billy Bob Thornton and Hal Sparks hey. in it. What? But it really is just about a motorcycle gang of women who ride into this small town where there's an evil scientist and he created zombies to do some mining for him. And then the zombies um, get loose and uh, the chopper chicks beat them up. Hal Sparks, who I'll be seeing soon on our hometown stage. Are you going to that? I have to. Like yeah. my, my future brother-in-law is has a very big part in it. Damn, um, right, and he'll I'll be go. acting alongside Hal Sparks. In a Shakespeare. Wow, I feel terrible. Ooh, I don't know which one he's been rehearsing for for the last three months. <laughs> I don't know what play it is. That's awesome. They're all kind of the Do same. you want to try and get tickets? We should Hell talk yeah, about this I off do. mic. That could be the first dumb thing we do in public after our, getting our vaxes. Next movie of 1991. Ooh, I love an Ellen Barkin movie with Lorraine Bracco and Bruce Payne, Joe Beth Williams, and Jimmy Smith. We got Switch, uh, an adaptation of the little Nintendo console that could... No, I don't have any idea what this is about. A movie called Switch. After Steve died, I love it. I sent him back as a blonde. Holy. Now, a guy who used to use women is finding out firsthand. Unbelievable. That was no way to treat a lady. Oh. Ellen Barkin, see Blake Edwards' newest comedy. Oh. Switch. Have a nice day. Jimmy Smith. Starts Friday, May 10th, at a theater near you. Okay. So, yes, this is a Blake Edwards comedy, but more importantly, this is a running gag on Mystery Science Theater. Anytime someone said the word switch, one of them would just say, 
Jimmy Smith's. Jimmy Smith's. <laughs> because this ad is so random. Why did they just cram Jimmy Smith's in like long after the end of the ad? Yes, the ad is already over. Jimmy, just, Smith's. Jimmy Smith's and he's punched in the face. Uh, <laughs> a good reminder for like-minded people out there, get your Mystery Science Theater 3000 donations ready. This is By the yeah. time you're hearing this, it should be the, the final hours. Yeah. In... So anyway, uh, we got a later Blake Edwards comedy, which means it's... But it is fun in that there's this guy who's a super womanizer who gets murdered by, I think, Joe Beth Williams, who he screwed over. And God brings him back as a woman to teach him a lesson. (laughs) And so now he's Ellen Barkin and she's very upset by this. And the whole thing is like, no, you can go back to being a man if you can find one woman to like you. Hmm. And he's not doing a really good job. I think eventually he runs into Lorraine Bronco, who's a lesbian. And you think, well, here we go. But no, it's because like inside, he's such a bad person. But Ellen Barkin is, she like does not do enough comedy. She is really, really funny mm-hmm. in this. The whole movie's not great, but her, her physical comedy of just trying to be like, I'm female. <laughs> is, is really silly. Wasn't she in Drop Dead Gorgeous? Yes, yeah. I think so. Yeah, she's great. That's the only other comedic role I feel like I really know her from. She's got mm. moments in this boy's life. I love that movie. Um, and one of the Oceans really films, too, I think, right? Yeah, Oceans 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Oceans I like seeing her 12. pop up. Yeah, I, I just always liked her. She's super cool. Yeah. yeah, this movie's sort of... Uh, yeah. I feel the same way about... I I think I heaped a ton of praise on rewatching the first film in this two film series, two and through. Yeah, uh, FX. I feel like is one of the earliest movies we talked about on this show. Yeah, and it was one. It was like, oh shit, it was really fun to go back to. Wow, this is kind of a forgotten little little sleeper classic. I like this one. Yeah, the the story. I, I I believe based on the you know John Chambers, John Goodman's character in Argo, but a a movie guy who worked. Behind the scenes several times with the CIA and the FBI faking cadavers, using effects to fake people's deaths so to put someone in witness protection. And uh, the first movie is like interesting and very small scale. And this is just like, fuck this, part two. They're partnering up now, Brian Dennehy and the Australian guy, Brian Brown. And um, it is ridiculous at every single turn and... That is also very entertaining. It's difficult to call it a good movie, mm. but FX2, The Deadly Art of Illusion, this is number one at the box office this week. Uh, here's a little clip. The action is hotter. Really? Yes. But he's fun at parties. The stakes are higher. Enjoy your trip. Get on, on another one. The effects are twice as dangerous. So what do we do now? First, we have another drink. Brian Brown. Keep on corner pocket. Brian Dennehy. Gotcha. FX2, The Deadly Art of Illusion. Rated PG-13. That is the full title, by the way. <laughs> FX2. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, so, uh, it's such a shame because it's just, yeah, it took five years to make yeah a sequel to a movie that's just like, oh, that was a fun little movie. I really enjoyed that. It was like a sleeper hit and you know, it doesn't have any big stars, but it has a fun idea. It does. About, it, yes. It reminds me special it's, effects it's... artist is like, yeah, brought in to fake Helping... this guy's death so he go to witness protection, but then he's double crossed and now he's on the run and he uses all his little gadgets and doodads to, you know, keep to, to stop the bad guys. There's there's so many scenes in it that are like remind me of Penn and Teller gags. It's like they'll there's a fake movie shoot and they'll just show you how they're creating all these stunts and then somehow incorporate that later on into a murder mystery or to confuse bad guys. Cool concept. Mm. I feel like this could have yeah. been a decent television show with a little more creativity. It's kind of MacGyvery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 definitely. 
but yeah, I was, I thought, I mean, I guess the, the time frame doesn't add up, but I was thinking like, did Home Alone help kick this to where it needed to be? Because <laughs> Home Alone has a bunch of like using gadgets to create traps and stuff. Hmm. Not ridiculous ones filled with whatever technology that this one has, because it just goes, it just goes too far, man. There's just too much uh, suspension of disbelief. I just feel like you're specifically singling out the clown suit here. The Bernie Mac old dogs clown suit. Yeah, I the will... robot clown suit. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's pretty. It's pretty ridiculous. I love that it's like embodies technology we still don't currently have, but it's just like yeah, yeah just hanging out in this movie. Everything yeah, you do this... I mean, well, there's still a part of this where it's like, oh, we need to get this file off of this disk drive. We could use a modem to get it to someone. The nearest modem is at the shopping mall. <laughs> 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 oh, that's great. That's great. And I should say, uh, this is on Tubi and Pluto TV. Tubi this week is killing it for 302010. Lots so you know. of stuff on Tubi. And, for sure. but, yeah. but a little a pro tip for you this official title is F slash X2, The Deadly Art of Illusion. If mm. you put an FX, you will not find this. You have Mm-mm. to put an F space X and you will find it on multiple streaming services because they yeah. don't have a slash. Uh, you will not be able to add it, so uh, uh, so make sure to put F de- space X, and you can find it. They have both films. And I have to say, I feel like Tubi has gotten better, like less commercials, maybe or something. Like yeah, I think they, I, don't know. Yeah. I think they got a big uh, investment from like Lionsgate or something. And okay, it, it's yeah, it's come in on clutch more than it ever has before, and has I think better quality commercials was, and stuff i just feel like they have fewer commercials now i don't know i had to, i was I manually say, browsing Ruby's for this great. movie and it's like here's the 90s section i'm like this is like better than like four years of hbo in the 90s like how the fuck did they get so good <laughs> all of a sudden anyway uh moving into 1991 television oh you know this is my favorites uh not really this is this did not hold up very well at all i, I don't remember anything else from the episode with uh snl uh, with your host Delta Burke uh, and musical guest Chris Isaac, uh, they never, neither of them rolled around in the peach. That feels like it was a missed opportunity. <laughs> uh, or on the rotating bed. Yeah, that would have been a ton of fun. I guess Delta Burke is. We'll find out. It's an odd thing to host for promoting the last episode. But uh, the more interesting thing here is Madonna appearing in a tape sketch with Wayne and Garth based mm-hmm. on the Justify My Love controversy. And it, this sketch is all visual and not great, but I wanted to play a bit for you because I didn't hear about Wayne's World until the movie. And we're like, uh, we're about a year out. Yeah. Oh, uh, we all, kids my age, this is all we could talk about on Monday when we got back yeah. to school. It was like, oh my God, did you see Wayne make out with Madonna? Yeah, <laughs> yes. It's what I think it's it's very much a bad sketch, sort of. And <laughs> but it's like this, but it it's emphasized. I'm trying to emphasize how popular this was. Madonna didn't come on to host. She's like, I'll appear with Wayne and Garth and repeat their catchphrases back at them because I love that <laughs> shit. Uh, and that's where we are. Wayne, do you want to play Truth or Dare? Truth or Dare with me? No way. Way. No way. Way. Excellent. So, truth or dare? Truth. Have you ever made love to two women at the same time? Um, yes. I believe you. Not. But I might make love to two women at once. Yeah, you might. And monkeys might fly out of my butt. Good one, Madonna. 
<laughs> I love Garth so much. I wish Garth was the one that was making out with her. Uh, he does. He does get the better moments in this sketch, which looks like he's like not even on the same set for. But yeah, whatever. It's yeah, it's something I remember very. Unit good. on that guy. Look at the unit on, is that Prince? <laughs> <laughs> uh, also out this week uh, This week an amazing L.A. Law episode titles <laughs> On the Toad again um, Nice We should probably take bets and trying to guess what this is about But I, pro- I would have I gotten it from this And I'm shocked that this is actually an episode of L.A. Law Someone gets busted for, for psychedelic toad licking Yep he, yes. God love him. I think that's the first place I'd heard that, yeah, there were toads that you could lick and get high off of. Yeah, in like deep in the Brazilian rainforest. Yeah. Like, you know how much? Take some acid. You could take like 9,000 yeah. dabs of acid for whatever whatever it would cost to get that frog through customs. It's so much funnier to to trick people into licking regular frogs they find in the backyard. That's true. Yes. And they that's... love it. So, you know. Yeah, the frogs are the frogs super into it. it. Like, in a yeah. weird way, kind of. Like, yeah, yeah. Ribbit, ribbit down know. there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, ribbit. That's the one. Yeah, ribbit lower, ribbit lower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Grossing myself out. <laughs> Me too. Frog sex. Think about it, people. And then throw a pig in there, and boom, you're Jim Henson. Okay, and then on on, on the 11th, uh, we have the Amen finale, or is it Amen? I haven't been to church in a while. Amen. Uh, amen. I think it's amen. For Sherman Hemsley. Uh, I don't know why. I just always liked this show. Yeah? Yeah. It, it taught me the weirdest, most random thing. Because it's about like, it, it, he's like a church deacon. He lives with his sister-in-law who's like really tall. And he makes fun of her. And whatever. It went five seasons. It was cute enough. I, I learned an incredibly specific thing from this. I feel like I've mentioned on the show before. That this is the first time I noticed that men wearing suits, when you sit down, you do the little hike up, pulling up your pants a tiny bit so you don't. Uh, grind your crotch and wrinkle your pants. Yes, they or... used to. They just do that all the time because everyone's wearing suits because they're all like church deacons and stuff. And I just always noticed a little hike, sit, hike, mm-hmm. sit. Mm-hmm. And it's... now, now I know how to sit in a suit. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I sort of know that too, but I just rarely have the opportunity. And yeah. why not just brutalize my pants and my crotch? I'm not used to comfort anyway. I'm rapidly gaining weight. Uh, and <laughs> it, it is finale season for the network shows. And uh, another show I've never heard of, Days and Nights of Molly Dodd, is has its finale this week as well. Oh, yeah. This was a, one of those shows that's like more influential. It's remembered mm. for, as being influential compared to being remembered itself in that it's, I believe it started on like NBC and it went to Lifetime. Wow. Because it's about uh, a single woman and, you know, her, her life, her loves and uh, her <laughs> casual sex. And so a lot of people point at this as like, this was Sex in the City before there was Sex in the City. Allie McBeal. It's Allie McBeal. It's it's treating it. It's 1991. It's been on for like five years. So, okay. So it's like 1986 and we're treating it as just normal. Yeah. Here's a lady. She has a job. You know, sometimes she has steady boyfriends and sometimes she has for right now boyfriends. (laughs) And that's cool. That's, hey, that's fine. It works for guys. Why can't it work for ladies? Huh? I don't know. It's been, it feels like it's been decades since that was even possible, but I don't know. What? Casual sex? Why do you even do that? <laughs> uh, with a mask I, on? I prefer my sex to be extremely formal. Yes. yes. Tails, little, top hat. The little hike on your pants. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. you take them off. Yep. It's, it's why Sarah never, and I could never get together. I couldn't do the monocle thing. It's, it's just, true. <laughs> he prefers the pants nays. Yes, I I dropped my pants and she whipped out her opera binoculars. I'm like, that's just me. I still can't that's see it. Mean. I still can't see it. Your penis. I'm talking about your penis. 
<laughs> oh, God. I love making fun of my penis. Do we have a Manscaped promotion? Good. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and then, and then, I guess this is weird. It's what Delta Burke is sort of on SNL for her television hurrah on designing women. I don't remember much it, about designing women, but this, but this being in the news a lot. Will she stay? Will she go? Well, Delta right. Burke has been like big news for a couple years at this point because yeah. of the brouhaha about her weight. And like, mm-hmm. oh my god, she's enormous. Like, no, she's actually a very normal sized woman and and gorgeous, but. Uh, and we're also you know, in an era of like, in terms of ladies' fashion, shoulder pads and making your hair higher and bigger. How mm-hmm. I, I remember seeing her like, this is what we're calling a fat woman. She looks like every aunt I've ever had. Yeah, and- yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, she was also. I think it was a big deal for designing women because she was one of the linchpins of it. I mean, she's the perfect yeah, foil right. to Julia Sugarbaker, mm-hmm. played by I'm blanking on her name. Me too. Why is married that? to Hal Holbrook? Right, Dixie Carter. Dixie Carter. Thank you. She yeah. plays a perfect foil to Dixie Carter. I mean, Dixie Carter is you know statuesque and stalwart and you know whip smart. And then Delta Burke always played like the beautiful pageant queen girl. You know, little ditzy, little superficial, and. It, it was a big deal for her to be leaving designing women be like one of the friends leaving friends early. I feel like the yeah, chemistry is really important. I never yeah. saw designing women at that point, but I very much remember the show Delta that comes on because, oh man, did they make, was there a lot of fat jokes on a living color mm. surrounding that show Delta? Rude. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there was, I mean, she was always, Delta Burke was always painted as being like a big diva and thinking like, I'm the breakout star of the show. And it's like, well, yeah, you are, but it works best as an ensemble. I mean, after she leaves, the show keeps going. They bring in good people. They bring in Jan Hooks and Julia Duffy for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. They're awesome. Show keeps going, man. And now our lasting star from that show is um, Jean Smart, who I love so much. I keep seeing her all the time. I'm so happy. Me too. She's got a show coming on HBO, uh, HBO Max. It looks awesome. Yeah, I'm so happy. I love her. I mean, I love all those women, and uh, but I'm really happy that she's still on my TV screen. Mm. Yep. Uh, speaking of your TV screen, look at all these. Look at all this lady energy Ooh. coming your way. Yes, girl. Mm-mm. Is this a show, S- sisters? Yes. I have not heard of it, but it has. George Clooney, Ashley Judd, Julian Phillips, Patricia Clamber, Cella Ward, and Swoozy Kurtz. My word. Oh, so yeah. this is a primetime soap opera. I watched mm. this show with my mom and my cousins and my aunt religiously. We were very <laughs> into this show. And it, it was so – I just re- – I have such good memories of watching this show with my family. Like we just mm. loved it so much. It's a primetime soap. It's about four sisters who are extremely close and they um, were brought up by a father who always wanted sons. So all the women go at like all their nicknames are male nicknames, like Frankie, yeah. Teddy, Alex. Uh, oh, gosh. Georgie. Georgie. Thank you. And, you know, it's they're kind of like the Spice Girls because everybody has a different personality. <laughs> like there's the, the very maternal one. And then there's the one that's like a rich bitch, like very, you know, into her money. And then there's like the young one who's kind of like the black sheep sort of. And then there's the one that's like always the troublemaker. And they just had it would 
it reminds me a lot of like picket fences in that mm. like they're the things that would happen in the show were just it wasn't quite as outlandish as like picket fences gets it's not a david e kelly joint where it kind of strains your belief in like reality but it approaches that and it was just great and it dealt with like a bunch of modern issues facing women it talked about you know date rape and drug use and alzheimer's and caring for aging parents and caring for children and having young children and aging parents at the same time and how do you do all that it just it was such a great show. It went on for six seasons, yeah, which I was really surprised to see it went on for that long because literally nobody talks about it. And it's very upsetting to me. And I don't <laughs> even know if you can watch it anywhere. I know like every couple of years I try to figure out if I can see it on some sort of streaming platform. I haven't checked in a while, but last I checked, it's like nowhere to be found. I think, I think Shout yeah. Factory licensed it and put it on DVD. So there's a chance it may show up on their streaming service or on demand, but I, okay. I haven't seen it there, but it's, it's not something i've heard a lot about to be honest right which is crazy yeah. too because it gave us also two of my favorite women to see pop up on things which is Susie kurtz and Celia ward i just absolutely mm -hmm. love these two actresses and i love seeing them whenever they pop up on anything and yeah I just have it looks such like Ward won an Emmy for the for the show, and like yeah, yeah, it's just odd that it has so so little of a cult. But again, it's an hour soap, so yeah. those don't get yeah. syndicated. It's an as hour well. soap. It also gave us two other people, uh, Ashley Judd. This right. is like her first big breakout role, and I remember watching the show, and I'm like remembering, and didn't she like she she ran off with like a student filmmaker, and that was really funny. And, oh, that was Paul Rudd. It's oh. so fun to find out later. Oh my like, goodness, oh, that's a guy that you know. I love like, that. Oh, yeah, I'm fuck? pretty. I'm pretty sure Ashley Judd is, plays Celia Ward's daughter, I want to say. Um, no, Swoozie Kurtz's daughter. Oh, Swoozie Kurtz's daughter. Okay. Who's sorry. like the rich one and she's like the rebellious. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. Because Celia Ward's like the rebellious sister and so she kind of takes her under her wing a lot. That's right. Yeah, oh. I'm looking for it on Just Watch. I'm finding a bunch of other shows called Sisters and movies called Sisters. I'm not finding the 1991 show Sisters and this is annoying. Yeah. It sucks because I would absolutely love to just like drop into a nostalgia hole and just sink into this for like a weekend and watch a bunch of episodes that I remember. It's like that sort of thing when you watch a bunch of episodes of a show when you're a kid and I have very specific memories of very specific situations that I <laughs> want to go back and test to be like, <laughs> am I remembering this correctly? Like, yeah. I just love this show so much. I'm so excited. And I think need more people should talk about it so I can watch it somewhere. Please. Mm. Yep. Uh, wow. And then a movie I never knew existed, the TV movie for an, another Robin Hood movie. Yeah. Um, so I had to double check. I think this might have been on TNT because TNT mm -hmm. at this time, like through the 90s, had this thing of like, oh, is there a big Hollywood movie of a public domain thing coming out? Oh, yeah. we'll do one too then. <laughs> we will good times the shit out of this. They oh, did okay. it with Hunchback of Notre Dame. They did it with Frankenstein. And they did it with Robin Hood, which should wow. let you know there's a Robin Hood movie coming up. Mm -hmm. in oh, the next God. Couple of oh, God. I I'm fucking so hate excited. that movie. It's so stupid. Yeah, because but... also one of the most romantic songs of all time is coming up. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, God, I pity well, your bones. Okay. <laughs> one of the best bad guys. I'll give yeah. you that one. Yeah, that is truly one of the best bad guys of all time. But this one's got uh, Jurgen Prochnow, Uma Thurman, and Patrick Bergen, who I guess we best remember as the bad guy from Sleeping with the Enemy. Mm. Oh yes, okay. Yay. I Good watched 
I watched the trailer. I was going to grab a trailer, but everything that I saw, this looks like an extremely straightforward adaption of, you know, Robin Hood. So I just didn't pull anything, but he gave me very <laughs> Chris Sarandon vibe. So I was trying to place him, but uh, yeah. Okay. Mm, That's right. I just, uh, the only clip I want to hear is something that should be spoken in every Robin Hood movie. A character, usually a bad guy saying, who is this Robin Hood? <laughs> and so... <laughs> Just give me a YouTube compilations of that being said in every Robin Hood movie, and I'll be very happy. And I definitely won't watch every Robin Hood movie. Stop making them, please. Um, and then I'm, I was trying to figure. I, I was trying to open up an old doc because we did a Laser Time episode for a previous Halloween season, the best and worst of Stephen King. And I'm trying to remember how where where sometimes they come back lands. Tim Matheson and Brooke Adams. Let me see if I can find it at the end of this promo. This used to be a nice little town, but for Jim Norman. It holds a terrifying secret. Now, 27 years later, he's come back with his family. But they won't be alone. Live and in person, Mr. Norman. All he wants is a chance for a new beginning. I don't know. Did anybody see this one? No. It's got decent reviews, and it does have a directed uh, video sequel called Uh Guess What? (laughs) Sometimes they come back again. again, and then sometimes they come back for more. That's <laughs> the, the, <laughs> uh, but I have not seen this one. I think that's because this one fell like squarely in the middle. Uh, there's a lot of positivity around Stephen King television adaptations around this point. Mm-hmm. And, well, we just had it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it becomes the thing mm-hmm. to do. So please, people, help us fill in the gaps here on this. We could not get to this being what our sixteenth movie that came out this week. Jesus Christ, we're yeah. not even out of ninety one. We're not even out of ninety one. But uh, so uh, once again, on the 302010 Game Show with the Video Game Apocalypse Boys, I go a little further in depth. We'll talk about arcade releases, ports, less significant, but more minutiae uh, here. And like this, no huge releases this week. Everyone's backing off until Sonic comes out next month. Yeah, I'm teasing something. But music of 1991. Uh, May 7th through the 13th, we got some new music releases. We got Sugar Tax, the first OMD album since 1986. We got Pop Life by Bananarama, Godfather by Ned's Atomic Dustbin, uh, Schubert Dip by EMF, and uh, Pink Bubbles Go 8 by Halloween. That is kind of the perfect 1991 lineup. That is, it's not quite <laughs> OMD, 80s, not quite 90s. It's 1991. OMG, OMD, and EMF are going HAM. <laughs> well, let's close out with, to me, one of the greatest sounds in 90s pap. Roxette doing Joyride. It's number one this week. But stay right there, people. 2001 is going to get crazy. She says I love you, fool. I love you. Come on, join the Joyride. Join the Joyride. Chris. Matt. Come with me mm. on a journey of the mind. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. Mm. You too could be one of the first people to try the new Lawnmower 4.0 and be blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are next level. We've talked about our trials and travails while trying to tame the hair down there. Let's just say that areas of the body were placed in peril that should never be put in such precarious positions. I've been manscaping for a very long time, oftentimes with painful results. I don't know why those other trimmer guys even call those things guards, because 
it certainly wasn't doing its job in guarding anything <laughs> the times that it resulted in injury. Take my word for it, manscaping has always been something I've been very much into, and no one made a product specifically for and I didn't think I could be happier with the previous Manscaper, but man, I cannot wait to try out the Lawnmower 4.0. Chris, Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. The fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my beautiful baby boys down under. This upgraded trimmer includes a multifunction on and off switch with a travel lock so that you don't run out of battery when you're on the go. It doesn't accidentally turn on there in your bag. Not that you would run out of battery, because get this, the 4.0 features a new wireless charging system that uses Whoa. electromagnetic induction, Whoa. which can help your battery last longer. So longer charge, shorter hairs. Ah. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes one through four. It's true, it's true, fellas. You gotta figure out which one's right for you because if you're like me and have a hairy tummy or everywhere else, you can't just go shorn have it look like a brush fire occurred in the middle of your body yeah this isn't a one-size-fits-all thing i go a little bit longer in the chest region mm -hmm. i go with it's the magnum this is what i call it the magnum pi look but this also gives you the ability to turn the 4000k led spotlight on or off when needed for a more precise shave the other thing i gotta mention it here fellas if you've been using the same trimmer on your face that you do mm -hmm. on your nuts don't do that you are doing it all wrong. No one wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. That's disgusting. <laughs> it's time to get your own ball hair and body trimmer with Manscaped to make mm -hmm. me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice, smooth baby boys. Mm -hmm. And right now, Chris, our listeners can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. That's right, 20% off free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using promo code LASERTIME. One word, baby. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Coming in 2001 with a very 2001 sound of some 41 fat lip of all killer, no filler, perhaps the finest in punk rock hip hop you're likely to find in this era. Look, not 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 hating on the song. I was I was there. It was on the radio. I didn't hate it. Oh, this but it just very much reminds me of 2001. We will not I will not listen Absolutely. to them again until the Spider-Man 2 soundtrack. And, <laughs> and welcome to 2001, everyone. If some 41 wasn't an indicator uh, that it's May 7th to the 13th in 2001, how about a little Asleep in the Back by Elbow? It's also a new music release this week, including Bridge by Blues Traveler. Is that a slimmed down John Popper? You tell us, people. We can't do all the research. Dare to Dream by Billy Gilman is also out as is High Technology by High Tech. Uh, last Fair Deal Gone Down by... Catatonia and <laughs> Lions by the Black Crows and Look Into the Eyeball by David Byrne. All for You by Janet Jackson is still number one. And I'm still happy. Rightly so. We're and all better that, for it. 
that's one of the gosh have we had another number one that's gone this long that we were all still supporting mm. at that point you know like yeah i feel like we've had a lot of number ones that were like oh god i mean still, yeah. but- obviously we were all behind smooth couldn't get enough of it just, <laughs> well just- <laughs> see i'm behind smooth but not for that long yeah exactly exactly this one i'm like yeah i could keep, i could keep listening to this this yeah. is great i'm good yeah. Yeah, just our, maybe our, our tastes back then were just a little more basic. It's just really telling to the talent of Janet Jackson that us contemplating her being number one still for this long, we're still, like, totally down for it. Like, yeah, yep. yeah, I'm down for it. Yep. Oh, I, spoiler alert for the coming months, we have one in tw- 2011 that I'm sure you will fully, fully endorse. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, a bit of I mean, there. we could have had it all when we were rolling in the deep, mm-hmm, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's going to be no avoiding that fucking song. And I'm okay with it. I'm into it. This is such a weird year for movies, it seems, because there's not a lot of them. Like, there's one, there's been one a week the last few weeks. Yeah. I mean, last last week, everyone got out of the way for Mummy Returns. And I feel like this week, they're kind of still out of the way. Yeah, and, and I I wouldn't have predicted this to be the hit that it became, but it's mm-hmm. is this sort of like Hollywood deciding Heath Ledger is a big star and we're going to treat him like one. And here's his big summer movie. No more starring in it's Mel Gibson's kid. He is starring alongside Alan Tudyk, Mark Addy, uh, Shannon Sossaman, uh Paul Bettany, Rufus Sewell, and, of course, Heath Ledger in A Night's Tale. I won't spend the rest of my life as nothing. You have to be of noble birth to compete. So we lie. My lords, my ladies. I have the pride, the privilege, nay, the pleasure of introducing to you a knight sired by knights. William Thatcher didn't make the rules. He was born. I've waited my whole life for this moment. To break them. Oh, hot jousting action. I have to say, that trailer makes it sound much more badass than it really is, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's so, A Nice Tale is so, so strange because it's both a sports movie about jousting <laughs> and also a slobs versus snobs movie mm-hmm. about jousting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, and it, it works. It's actually a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. So th- this movie was huge for my peer group in high school, but it just, sure. for whatever reason, it missed me. Like I just did, I think, I don't know. I was watching something else, probably the deer hunter with my dad and Jerry McGuire <laughs> on my own. Um, but I, this one missed me. So I had not seen it for the first time until recently. And I think I probably aged out of it. Cause I don't really get the big deal, but also too, <laughs> I feel like this movie would have been a much better movie if it was actually modern day and set at a renaissance fair. And maybe that's just because, Diana, you and I read a romance novel together recently set at a renaissance fair in modern times. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. Like, I remember the big deal that everyone was talking about with this movie is that they use, like, so much modern music. Mm -hmm. Right. And, like, not only, like, had it – oh, God. I can't remember the name for it where it's, like, part of the scene. Diegetic, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, it's both. Like, they have it just as a soundtrack, and then they also have it as part of the scene sometimes, like, with the We Will Rock You and all that. (laughs) By modern music, uh, 30-year-old music, even at the time. 
but yeah. we're not talking about like li- liars and like mandolins. So yes, um, <laughs> we're talking about yeah. Queen and David Bowie and Lowrider. Yeah. <laughs> Lowriders in here. That was like a big deal. I remember when it came out, like people were like, oh my God, so cool. Cause like they're yeah. using modern music or whatever. Oh, and, and, and you can watch then, critics lost their mind. They hated yeah. it. They hated the fact that they did that. Yep. Oh. And it's like, guess what? A couple weeks from now, y'all are going to get crushed by the Star Wars of anachronistic music in 2001. <laughs> okay. And, and I feel like this should have primed them, but it, they, they weren't primed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So if they were upset at a Knight's Tale, yeah, once we get Moulin Rouge, literally in a couple weeks, I I can see their eyes exploding. Okay. But there's a difference. And the big difference is Baz Luhrmann. (laughs) Baz Luhrmann knows what he's doing with that. Like, and he does it perfectly. This this is, okay, here's what's weird. This is written and directed by Brian Helgeland, who up to this point is most famous for winning an Oscar for helping for co-writing the adaptation of LA confidential. <laughs> and then he also does uh payback conspiracy theory. He ends up, he also wrote mystic river. He's a serious guy. And yeah. why he wanted to write and direct this. Cause it's very silly. It's based I mean, on it really a book. Is, it is just like a high school basketball movie, <laughs> but with fake nights and jousting. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I don't really get I, I just didn't get this one. I, I mean I'm the same way. I, I I didn't love this movie either, but a lot of people I knew did. And oh yeah. In the days of giant DVD collections, this was everywhere. Everybody had this movie. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, just in the end, it it is very silly. It's fun. Uh it it is fun to see like Mark Addy show up here, you know, who ends up playing Robert Baratheon on on uh Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Alan Tudyk, who has not aged in 20 years. Oh my lord, I know. He looks what? amazing. What happened? Paul Bettany, barely aged too. Yeah. And Rufus Sewell, barely aged. What well, I don't know what they're drinking over there. God damn it. Yeah, and it's Heath Ledger being charming for most of the movie. So yeah, it's it's an odd movie, I guess, aimed at teenagers, but mm-hmm. I ended up like it's got some fat I'd trim on it, but still like it ended up being kind of fun. Like I just yeah, it's a sports movie. It's fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I do I do remember this being notable. I feel like we talked about this before, but it's impossible. This was one of two Sony movies where they Sony made up made up a film credit and used pull quotes that oh. didn't exist. What? And yes, like just uh they made up their own film critic and it was on the poster. It might even still be on your fucking DVDs, but uh it like it had a little expose like this person who these who have these uh just wonderful pull quotes for this and Rob Snyder's The Animal does not exist and may not have even seen either of these movies. Uh, we don't know yet. We haven't found. Well, them. if they didn't exist, they definitely didn't see those movies. Yes, I, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. It could have it could have been an anonymous review. Those happen now. But a Knight's Tale. I'd love to hear what what everyone else thinks because I kind of I feel like I, I was like just not quite young enough to to really dig it. But like I think like one year beforehand, two years beforehand, I would have loved this movie. I'd have yeah. watched it nonstop. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I think it was uniquely geared towards teenage girls. And I remember it being very big with other teenage girls in my group. But for some reason, it just missed me. But they they loved it. I mean, especially because Heath Ledger. Yep. <laughs> He's so dreamy. He's so dreamy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. 
which is, you know, one of the reasons people lost their shit about him playing the Joker of like, no, right. he's too pretty. He's too right. cute. He was that guy from Knight's Tale. And it's like, yeah, he's going to be a monster's ball by the end of the year, too. And you will see some fucking acting. So shut yeah. your face. Yeah. Word. It- and uh, yeah, that that is like the biggest and only movie of the week. It still feels really odd. We are in we are in the normal summertime period, and uh, I'm I'm a little shocked by that. But the movies will will really start moving uh, as we get closer yeah. to June. Oh, uh, we got a big one next week, though. Mm-hmm. And big speaking one. of big ones, oh Diana, it's the Eurovision Song Contest in 2001. You're and, welcome. And uh, Estonia's first win ever with Tanel Padar, uh, Dave Benton, and Two XLs. Everybody. Please tell me more, Di. I don't know anything about this. Yeah. Uh, Estonia has the, these guys together. It includes the oldest winner at 50 and the first black winner ever. Wow. From oh. Estonia. Yes, there are black people in Estonia. What? Who knew? Where is Estonia? And I'll look that up as, while we listen to everybody, winner of the uh, Show Me What You Got Europe song contest. Mm. Every night's a Friday night. <laughs> Ladies, this show oh, feels right. right. Hey. hey. No, no. You give it to them now. Well, every night's a Friday night. Uh-huh. What night? The ladies fish your fees right. I guess it's a party time. The two of us will sing again. Two of us together again. The hearts young and we don't wait. Young and handsome, they say. Come on, Dan. So get the sentence out. <laughs> this is... All right, this is making me real happy. And yeah. it just sort of the... It fulfilled its purpose then. You forget that something as simple as Friday night translates just pretty much everywhere. Everybody's, everybody's got a version of Friday night. Let's Look, yeah. Friday is the best day of the week. I think we could all agree. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Unless you had to get a lot of work in beforehand. And then... Yeah, but <laughs> once Friday night hits, it's the promise of the weekend. It's true. Yeah, you can just go sleep. You're not hungover yet. Part. That's my version of partying. It's like, I can go to bed at 7 p.m. and no one can stop me. If you watch watch this video, it looks like a teenager dancing with a dad from next door. It it looks kind of incongruous. I don't know how these guys got together, but it's wonderful. Man, diagnosis murder finale. (laughs) Uh, What are the olds going to watch now? We Mm. We shouldn't have anything to say about this. It's just like one of those rare thing i was at my grandparents house and like oh it's diagnosis murder night christopher dick van dyke is a doctor and like my grand like my grandparents are explaining me how good this show is like <laughs> literally the demographic who is supposed to enjoy it it's a jake and the fat man spinoff you remember jake and the fat man like no not even a little <laughs> like, like not even a little but uh yeah i think diagnosis murder has one of those like sizable universes you you don't know has a connected universe across television um i forget i forget where that goes because everything i looked into none of our listeners would know about but <laughs> including jake and the fat man which is just a wonderful title I, I, <laughs> uh, uh and then on the on the west wing this week we have the 18th and potomac sarah i'm guessing you know what that that is yeah i only want to mention it because this is a Episode that sets up an even bigger episode. So next week we'll have the season two finale of West Wing, which is one of the best episodes of dramatic television ever. Mm-hmm. I'm not the only person to say that, but it's very good. But in this episode, the whole crew, they're dealing with uh, how are we going to tell everyone about this MS diagnosis that we've been grappling with this whole season of President Bartlett's. And then of kind of a weird, I mean, Aaron Sorkin does such a good job with this. So um, Dolores Landingham is the president's longtime 
mm, secretary, basically. She's she's been with the president since he was a young child as just a person who's part of his life. And then eventually he hires her and she, his secretary when he becomes president. And she, in this episode, is going to buy a brand new car. And it's kind of like a little, like, almost D storyline going through the entire episode. Like, comes up here and there. Oh, she's buying a new car. Okay, banter, banter. And then at the very end of the episode, we get news that she died. That she gets hit by a drunk driver right. coming home with her new car. And it, it it sets up a huge episode next week because of how Judd Bartlett deals with this loss. And it was a really sad loss, I think, overall for the West Wing I don't know, people who are really fans because she played like such a great foil to the president. She was always a little bit of comic relief. Catherine Justin played Miss Landingham and she was just such a great actress. And, you know, it was a very shocking death to happen in the uh, show, but it really lends itself to some really good acting next week. So I can't wait to talk about that episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then uh, the same week we got Friends, the one with Chandler's dad. Ooh. Oh boy. Okay. Wow. So I was I a little bit worried about talking about this episode overall because if you watch friends the issue chandler's dad has always been treated like a joke and it's been kind of an unclear joke friends has often rightly so been accused of casual homophobia and some transphobia as well and i absolutely do not disagree with a lot of those criticisms there is a lot of throughout the whole run of the series there was talk about chandler's dad being gay and then maybe maybe being a crossdresser maybe being a drag queen maybe being trans like it's really not put laid out in any terms that we would consider appropriate progressive right now Um, even even back in the day like those lines people didn't quite understand the difference between a crossdresser and a drag queen a drag queen and a gay man a gay man and a trans woman yeah exactly and um but in this episode they're gearing up for another big episode which we'll talk about next week uh where chandler and monica get married and chandler's dealing with I want to invite my dad, but he's not really part of my life. And how do we deal with this? And then we actually get to meet Chandler's dad. And I am like always grappling with like, I don't know how well they treat the storyline, but I do love the person playing the dad. (laughs) I pulled a little clip. So they they travel to Vegas because Mm -hmm. his dad is a performer in a Vegas show. And it's played by a very famous actress. Hmm. I feel pretty. So pretty, I feel pretty and witty and. Hey! <laughs> that can't be your father. Believe me, I've been saying that for years. <laughs> oh my God! What? That's Mr. Garibaldi playing the piano. Can you tell who it is from the the singing? Can you? Mm, it's a little tough. I I know who it is though. Yeah. I think it is. Brilliant casting for several reasons. Agree. It's uh, it's Kathleen Turner, one of my favorite people Mm -hmm. to see. Uh, Another funny lady that I like to see on screen. I don't think she gets really treated as like a comedic person, but she definitely has some comedic chops. So So I I love this casting because first of all, yeah, Kathleen Turner has that wonderful deep voice, Mm -hmm. you know, that Jessica Rabbit smoky voice. And second of all, Kathleen Turner has been a sex symbol for 20 years at this point Mm -hmm. you know if y'all have seen body heat oh my god girl oh my god it's so so good that is a a woman 
it's a cis woman playing a trans woman, but the fact that it's someone that's attractive that the audience has been attracted to mm. up till now, that's pretty smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to realize it how, it does underline like, no, she's a woman. Mm-hmm. That's, that's his dad, but she is hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think at this point, and friends heads will have to correct me as far as like the deep lore goes. And again, it's really hard to parse it out with the, this late, like early two thousands, the way we even talked about stuff like this, but it still to me is unclear whether or not Chandler's dad is a trans woman or is a gay man who does drag. But either way, I think the mm. casting is on point a hundred percent. If Kathleen cool. Turner, whoever she's playing, it's great casting and and i think ultimately the relationship between chandler and his dad is played very sweetly and very gently in this episode and in the scene you know he goes on to invite his dad to their wedding and uh, i just really love it i love kathleen turner what can i say yep she's fantastic that's that's pretty good Did, do you know if they ever got into like when his dad transitioned or like left the family for any of that because it's like there's that that could explain some of the animosity if oh it's yeah like, yeah i'm 12 and dad disappears and shows up in a dress and no one explains it to me it's kind yeah, of how he's kind of pissed he's off young yeah he is definitely young when that goes on but i mean do you remember who plays chandler's mother no it's morgan fairchild <laughs> <laughs> so like <laughs> it's Wonderful. just what a great pairing you know that's i do want to see that cat fight yeah. of just like bitching about oh your divorce attorney was such a bitch to me oh yeah they definitely everyone's taking off their earrings getting ready to fight they definitely do some of that i think later on yeah okay. it's really great <laughs> but yes the other thing i wanted to highlight is the season finale of gilmore girls Whoa. so no, i think first season still yes first season it's ends with a little bit of a cliffhanger sort not really but a big thing happens in the end which is off and on throughout the season Lorelai has been dating Max Max Medina which was Rory's teacher and you know they go back and forth on whether or not it's appropriate for them to be together and it's play Max Medina is played by Scott Cohen who is just such a great hey it's that guy that pops up in so many things I just saw him in Billions he was in the other woman, which we talked about a couple of uh, months ago. But yeah, he asked Lorelai to marry him at the end of the episode with oh. a thousand yellow daisies. And oh. it's a very sweet, it's a very romantic gesture. And it kind of puts Lorelai at this crossroads of like, do I really want to commit to this? Because her whole life has been about raising Rory. And so it's just, it puts her in a really interesting position. And even though, you know, it seems like she's going to say yes at the end of the episode, it, I think the writers have done such a good job of building these characters that it still keeps a question in your mind is, is she really going to go through with this? Also, I do love there's like a little side story with this little like sleepy stars hollow town that's like, you know, so quaint. They have dueling troubadours. And the troubadours, just two guys walking around with guitars, just playing songs and singing them and kind of like narrating events sometimes. And the two troubadours are played by Grant Lee Phillips and David Gruber Allen. And it's just like (laughs) so great. Like it's just such a testament to like how cool the Sherman Palladinos are and like that they get these guys to like play these little tiny bit parts like on the show. And it's really testament to how important music is to the show and and 
how well versed they are in like musical lore. So I also really like that part of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, nice. And and also this week, lastly, uh, Saturday Night Live, uh, your host Laura Flynn Boyle and musical guest Bon Jovi. Mm, Ooh. Not bad. No, I remember this episode. Uh, it's a, a little weird because what were people obsessed with over Laura Flynn Boyle? Her weight and her yeah. eating. And in her monologue, she's accused of not eating. Like, no, no, I eat. And she lifts up her shirt and you can see like the indention of grapes and pizza underneath her skin. And, <laughs> and that's one of two sketches that revolve Ooh. around her weight. And uh, then there's a MTV Cribs parody where they Robert Downey Jr. shows off his jail cell, which is just like, oh. I had to like think... Oh, yeah, that did happen to Robert Downey Jr., but he's also a former cast member. How dare you? That's, Ooh, a, that's gosh, one of your brothers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think any of that really ages well now, just because uh, the talking about – I mean, one of the sketches was a, a charity PSA sort of Save thing the where starving Laura Flynn Boyle's like, yeah, star, feed a starving actress. And and then names like actresses like Calista Flockhart mm. and I think Sarah Jessica Parker. And it's just kind of like – Timeless. <laughs> <laughs> and then also too i mean like robert downey jr at this point is also on uh ally mcbeal mm-hmm. so and will i think have to leave ally mcbeal because of personal issues again so <laughs> a lot of this really ages very well, well anyways yeah I, but again I, I always forget that about robert downey jr I, I usually see him being tony stark in real life and entertaining a group of kids at a science fair so yeah that's how i think of him now He's yeah. good. And yeah, video games of 2001, the biggest ones I could look at. Ooh, uh, Mist 3 Exile. Do you, do you remember they named the second Mist not Mist? Um, it was it was named something uh, else. Yeah, it was named like, is it uh, Ribbon or something like that? It had a completely uh, different title. And then, is this the greatest Mario Party? Mario Party 3. Um, I don't know if you, you ladies got a chance to play Mario Party, but at this point, I was very much not over it, and it was still silly and fun. Mario Party 3. But that's about it for 2001, thanks to the light movie schedule. So let's go out with uh, Like Humans Do by David Byrne. Uh, it came free with Windows XP. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so it, David Byrne beat you, too, with compulsory <laughs> album having yeah. <laughs> with technology. By yeah. at least a decade, right? Yeah. Dang. Yeah. 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 This right. song came. It was uh, oh, for what's it called? Like Winamp or something. It was like the it's the sample song so that you can see what the music player does. So it came with every Windows XP. Also, it's still a good song and it's David Byrne. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. right, Let's take us out with a Windows song. Uh, (laughs) We'll be right back with 2011 people. and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner where we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of may 7th through may 13th oh i've got another classic 90 year old film to recommend oh it's kind of the granddaddy of all thrillers and it's called m directed by fritz lang from 1931 starring peter laurie and otto wernicke and Gustav Grudjens. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. It's it's a German movie, man. Uh, 
but it is uh, an absolute freaking masterpiece, and it holds up to this day, which is not something I say about a lot of early sound films. You know, 1931 sounds pretty new. This movie is so visually striking that I tend to remember it as a silent film, which is weird because, you know, it's not. It's a story of a serial killer told from kind of three different perspectives. The serial killers, the cops trying to stop him, and then also the criminals that try to stop him because the cops are tearing the town apart looking for him. It's just, uh, I don't know what to say about it. Besides, I mean, obviously it's, it's an important film. It's a lot of people point to it as like a precursor to most police procedurals, you know, because it is about the cops doing the detective work, trying to find this guy because yeah, it's Peter Laurie and he plays a child killer. And in the end, you, you feel a tiny bit bad for him, which is unheard of just in general in film. Cause like, why, why would you feel bad for him? Because he's doing absolutely horrible things. I mean, Fritz Lang, <sighs> I could talk about Metropolis for like 18 years, but this is because it's the early 30s, the Nazis are starting to come into more power. And so there is a certain amount of criticism of that. And that's one of the reasons Fritz Lang had to skip town. And Peter Lorre did too, because, well, also because he was Jewish. And <laughs> they really, the Nazis like to pull scenes uh, from this out of context. and be like, look how evil Jews are. They're, they like to kill children. And it's like, it's a fucking movie, man. Uh, am I going to start going pulling stuff out of Transformers and being like, see, this is what semi-trucks are really like. They like to turn into robots and shoot at other robots. Nazis are jerks. Anyway, M from 1931, if you've never seen it, it's gritty. It is, but like engrossing, like you will just be hypnotized by it. And there's so many scenes of like the criminals coming together to try to find this murderer that are just, wow. I mean... I don't want to compare it to The Sopranos, but something about just, like, the faces on all these guys that he finds are, are just, like, I, I don't know how they cast it. I don't know if they just went and found real criminals in Germany or what, because I am at a loss for words at how good M is. And it absolutely holds up despite being 90 years old. Also, because it is so old, partially, it is available to stream basically everywhere. HBO has it. Canopy has it, which is free if you get a library card. Criterion Channel has it. The only hard part is the search engine issue because the movie's title is the letter M. That can kind of confuse it. So M1931 is generally what you want to search for. So yeah, M1931, directed by Fritz Lang. It's a must watch, period. End of story. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. I went down to St. James Infirmary Saw my baby there Bringing it into 2011, May 7th to the 13th, with a little bit of Hugh Laurie. No fry, just Laurie. Uh, St. James Infirmary off of Let Them Talk. Is this an album from House? Yes. Dr. House made an album because he's a very talented musician, piano and guitar, and he can sing. And apparently he loves New Orleans jazz. So he recorded an album mostly of classics like St. James Infirmary. I think we all deserve pats in the back for not going to the obvious house music joke. And (laughs) none of us went there. 
It's and true. It, yeah, see, I did not Good make the us, joke. You know? I was pointing out that we yeah. didn't make the joke. Yeah. Welcome to 2011, everyone. Also, new releases in the field of music this week. But burst apart by the Antlers. Move like this, the final album by the Cars. Turtleneck and Chain by <laughs> is it Turtlenecks and Chains by Lonely Island. I am very far by Okerville River and Goblin by Tyler the Creator. E.T. by Katy Perry featuring Kanye West is back up on uh, to number one. Woo! Are you ready to get in the movies of 2011? May May 7th through the 13th. I got to do some stretching, man. Yeah, we got, Hell yeah. We got some good stuff to talk about. <sighs> Yeah, like Thor being number one at the box office. Who knew? Who would have expected a Marvel movie shooting the number one? Also, Piper Laurie, Natalie Portman, Rain Wilson, Devin Brashu, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Hesher. Yeah, so we have a couple uh, downers <laughs> we got to get through before we get to uh, the other one. Uh, Hesher is about uh, JGL is like this, you know, creaky, creepy heavy metal kid, and he ends up moving in with this family that's just had a tragedy. And I apologize that I did not get to it. It's got pretty good reviews. Mostly just people said the acting's fantastic. And mm. I, with a cast like that, yeah, I, I believe you. Yeah. If they want to read the phone book between them, absolutely. I'm cool. Ooh, the mopey Will Ferrell comedy. Um, Question mark. Yeah. <laughs> Everything must go. I he Is this the start of his, like... Uh, depressing comedy question mark I su- era. I suppose. I, 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 did we talk about Stranger Than Fiction already? But like, it's so weird. He he has given like given P.T. Anderson performances before, but never in a P.T. Anderson movie. And this is mm. sort of one of those. He's got he's got the look for it though. He's got the sad suburban, mm-hmm. the sad eyes for this kind of role. And I remember being bored to death by this. It's I mean technically it's a black comedy. Mm-hmm. Turns out oh we talked about Stranger Than Fiction five years ago. Wow. Uh, oh. <laughs> wow. So. Uh, yeah. Will Ferrell gets fired from his job because he's a functioning alcoholic. Goes home and his wife has left everything of his out on the lawn and locked him out. And so he just lives on the lawn now. And it's the alcoholism part that I did not know was coming. And that, yeah, he's Didn't play he's an alcoholic. Trailer. He knows he's an alcoholic. He was on the wagon. He fell off. And now he's just low-level drunk and desperate the whole time. And then he starts, like, pulling his shit together by just selling off everything, you know, sure. that's been all, all of his things that have been burdening him and rebuilding his life. And, yeah, I, he hits rock bottom pretty hard. And, um... Yeah, it was. It's good, but yes, it's a downer, and not a lot happens. Yeah, and then just okay. The... But yeah, your mileage may vary. I, I found it pretty interesting. I didn't definitely mean... as a look at addiction, but I didn't yeah. mean to shit on it too hard. But just in my opinion, one of the best movies we've talked about in a while is also mm. out this week, and it's not even the biggest movie of the week. No, uh, it failed. It, it, do you think so? No, it did. It lost money. Did it really? Um, I know. It was made on the cheap. It still lost money, but now it's like a cult classic. Yeah, I guess I picked this up on Tubi once again, saving the day for 302010. Alex Esmail, uh, Jody Whitaker, John Boyga, Attack the Block. Yo, check it. Lovely fireworks. Tsunamis, an invasion. Of course it is. Let's get to the block! Quite sweet, really, aren't they? Mother 6. Thinking from the aliens. We need to get off the streets, back in a block. Got no credit. Got one text left. There's too much madness explaining one text. We have to call the police. <laughs> You'd be better off calling the Ghostbusters, love. Attack the block in cinemas May 11. I, I love this movie. I showed it. I, my girl yeah. had never seen it, and she was. I had to go to sleep early, and she's like, no, I'm not going to bed. I'm. 
and she woke me up. The, the, this that movie was fucking amazing. I'm like, yeah, it's it, it's a it is a good horror movie with like a little hint of Spielberg. Just uh, yeah. kids on the wrong yeah. side of the track. Uh, the, the kids stuff. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It's good. It, it holds up still. It, and it's just like, it's a special effects movie with like very few special effects. It's rules. Yeah. It, well, I watched it for the first time this weekend and I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I do think, though, it feels a little bit like a short film that should have gotten more funding and then built out a little bit better. Yeah. And hmm. it definitely gives me flavors of Neil Blom. Blomkamp mm-hmm. a lot right. um it because it also kind of feels like a sci-fi channel movie um <laughs> in the way of the effects and so I kind of wish that it had just a little bit more money to look a little bit better but all the human acting is so good that it's easy to just like overlook the the effects part of it you yeah, know dude, mm-hmm. we got a future force sensitive uh, person in there and a future doctor uh, yeah, in this movie, it's really that's true. We got a we got a Doctor Who and a Stormtrooper. Yay! <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this is the kind of movie that I love in that it, it's it's a very simple idea, but put somewhere with characters we haven't seen before. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a very basic. It's you know, alien kind of you know aliens they show up they start eating people. Oh no, what are we gonna do? Only now it's you know in a council estate in South London, full of shitbag youth really you know dis- disaffected disenfranchised young people who act tough they're in like a little gang but they're kind of a shitty gang like they're just they're fucking kids you know yeah. they're just dirtbag kids who don't have a lot of opportunities and so there's like a little bit of a message about like racism and poverty but it's not like that's what the movie's about that's just the location that they happen to be in mm-hmm. they just happen to be in what in america we just call the projects mm-hmm yeah, it, r- it reminds me it. Of, of of the Warriors. The Warriors kinds of op- kind of opens up yeah. with like a shitbag inner city gang youth, and then you like slowly got to get used to like, no, these these are going to become your heroes by the end of the movie, and you will be no matter what you think of them in the first couple scenes when they're <laughs> robbing a poor lady, they're be- yeah. they're going to be your heroes by the end. You're going to be chanting their names uh, in- until they're all dead. But <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. I, I, I mean the, the the premise it's it's nice and simple, but I will say you might want to turn on subtitles. Oh yes, because they Pretty use intense. a lot of slang. It's it's Black British slang, which means it's very Jamaican Caribbean influenced. And sometimes, Truth. yeah. I mean, it was like Wagwan, and you're like, what? <laughs> what did he say? Oh, don't know what that yeah. means. Can you guys let Jody talk for a while? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it helps a little bit to turn the subtitles on. You can follow a little bit better what what exactly they're saying. Wagwan is not a bad thing. It's to say hello. It's I, what's I going on. It's what Ali G does yeah. to introduce every one yeah. of his segments. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's Jamaican Patois. But I mean, and the monsters, they're so basic. Yeah. And yeah. they're so effective. They're yeah. just this black furry blobs with tons of fucking teeth. Yeah. I, I did read that, 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 that there's a little more CG involved than you'd think because they had to go in and make sure that the black suits didn't, ref- they don't reflect any light. So they're, uh, they are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. they are like pitch black whenever you right. see them. And it, but it is two guys basically in gorilla costumes running around, <laughs> running around the there project. There are some scenes where you can definitely tell. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, the mouse is clearly like, oh, you just you cracked open a glow stick and poured it on this mouth, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. But it works. But you know, it, yeah, it's, it looks good. It's nice and simple. They're yeah, they're these horrible monsters that just rip the shit out of everyone that's in their way, and mm-hmm. now we got to defend against them in the projects. And also, we don't have a lot of weapons. 
because right. uh, it's not America, so yes. everyone doesn't have assault weapons to deal with. Because when There's the British audience saw that, that one gun, they were the surprised. Yeah. yeah. Oh, a gun made yeah. it here. Nice. Well, and they do a really good job of that whole idea of a lot of times in these sort of di- disaster movies, there is always kind of a scary guy who is mm-hmm. a threat to the humans and who acts as a threat to the humans as well as whatever the like supernatural threat is, you know? So you mm-hmm. have to like watch out for like also human nature as well as the alien or whatever. That's always the element that gives me an extra chill. You know, you yeah. like to hope in like stuff like this, everyone comes together and they all work together to fight the bad thing. But it's always yeah. a very good element to put in the the crazy person or the person who's like also the bad guy who's trying to take advantage of the situation. And also Nick Frost is in this, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it's cool. it's written and directed by Joe Cornish, who is adjacent to all of those guys. He's had cameos mm. in the Cornetto trilogy. I think he co-wrote uh, one of the Tintin movies with them. And I think he yeah. wrote, with Edgar Wright, he wrote the uh, original treatment of Ant-Man, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah been... But I mean, it's a nice, it's slick, it's slick. It moves fast. It's got interesting characters and it's just, yeah, it's a ton of fun. And I remember it just, it got a ton of critical praise. Mm-hmm. And even though it's made for like 8 million pounds, it, it didn't make its money back. So now it's kind of a, a cult thing. It's but it's one of those. It's like now that we're ten years out, you can point at that and be like, "Oh, that was that was awesome." More yeah. people need I to pay attention. I thought I saw to this that. in the theater, but it's like it has no. It found no U.S. distributor to bring it to theaters. So I, I guess I didn't, or maybe I saw it in one of the like at the Red Vic in San Francisco, which is basically like you know when they'd screen a DVD for a dollar and, and you watch that yeah. in the theater. Yeah, uh, I remember waiting and waiting, being like, I heard this is really good and I want to see it. And I just have to wait for DVD. Yeah. Yeah, I can't mm-hmm. recommend this this movie enough. Still works. Free on Tubi. Yeah, just Tubi. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, please, people, check that shit out. Because, uh, I forgot. I completely forgot. There's like a running theme that everyone's running out of minutes on their burner phone. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, right. <laughs> I don't have enough text to get to text this madness. This uh, and then, I love that. That's a great way to like have yeah a modern thing where people have cell phones and yet they're only a little bit useful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then next up, uh, wow, I did not see this. Christopher Plummer, uh, Stephen Moyer, uh, Lily Collins, Maggie Q, Cam Gigadent, Giganet. Can we ever figure out how to say this guy's name? Like Giganet? he came up in burlesque, and I still don't know. Uh, Carl yeah. Urban and Paul Bettany in Perist. I come before you because this was a vampire attack. Tight. There is no vampire menace. That's a lie. If you take any action, you will be stripped from the order. I have no choice. One of your own has broken his sacred vow. Bring him back. Dead or alive. I knew this was based on a comic, but like, oh, Chris, you did not read this Korean comic. You're right, I did not. Nah. And, and nor did I see Priest in 3D <laughs> when it came no. out. No, but we got Paul Bettany on mm-hmm. two for three yeah. this week. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. He's not playing Jeffrey Chaucer this time. No. Uh, no, this is, it's so, it looks like a Resident Evil movie. It's so style over substance. It's mm-hmm. about warrior priests versus vampires and this war has been going on for a billion years and blah 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 action scenes blah blah oh watch attack the block that's what Mm. yeah Um, seriously it's just skip i didn't even finish it i started it and i was just like i'm so 
bored. No, because I, I think there's there's two majorly great movies out this week that are just semi unexpected, or at least under something about them feels underrepresented. We got a movie in the Black British Ghetto, and then finally this week a massive movie that's just starring an ensemble of women um, written by one of the leads, Rebel Wilson, Matt Lucas, John Hamm, Chris O'Dowd, Melissa McCarthy, Ellie Kemper, Wendy McLendon, Kobe, Rose Byrne, Maya Rudolph, and Kristen Wiig in Bridesmaids. To my bridesmaid. I need a trip that I can fantasize forever so that I'm able to have sex with my husband. Never been to this part of town before. Oh, look, you can get a check cash next door. We're going to get with all these men. It's going to be like a salad bar. I'm a nervous flyer. I'm sorry. You cannot be up here. This is a very strict plane. On Fiddlesen. This wedding is going to be perfect and beautiful. I am dead serious. Dead serious. Bridesmaid. However good you think this is, it is better. It's true. And it just gets better on every rewatch, honestly. It is this movie is so good it's basically perfect honestly and i actually have been disappointed by movies subsequent to this thinking going in like oh this feels like a bridesmaids vibe and then it always falls short until a movie i watched this year actually was it written by the same people it surely was (laughs) yeah i was wondering if you're gonna bring up i mean i do we didn't we didn't do it in like the best of the year enough but I, i really did love Barb and Star at the Vista Del Mar. And that's the closest Perfect. you're going to get to the, a follow-up to this movie. It's yep. written by the same two people, finally starring the same two people. Mm-hmm. And um, I was reading, I was went kind of down the rabbit hole, like, why did this never have a sequel? I'm like, eh, what are you supposed to do to like make another why? Bride? You don't want to make Hangover 2 for yeah, Bridesmaids. Why? Why mess with perfection, honestly? Like, this is such a perfect comedy. It's one of the best films of the past decade. It's one of the best comedies ever made. Like, I just can't say enough good things about it. I will be superlative about it. And also, one of my best movie-going experiences of all time. And as per usual, I went to go see it by myself. And (laughs) I had such a good time by myself laughing out loud so hard and it was this experience that really kind of revealed to me like laughing is such like a communal experience many times like Mm. if someone next to you is laughing at something funny it makes it much easier for you to laugh at it or like it sometimes the laughter is this enjoyment that we're sharing this thing together to be by yourself and laugh at something alone and solo means it is really super funny (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, because you're not getting any outside influence there. And I, yeah, I, 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 I was watching this just by myself on my phone, and every now and then <laughs> my husband would come in and be like, "What are you looking at?" And I'm just like, this "John Hamm's stupid face when he's trying to grab her boob," and he's like, uh, "Out of context, I don't know what you're talking about." Bye. I, yeah, I still like to do Kristen Wiig's impression of a penis, which is just uh, let's. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> sort of jut your chin out. Mm. I love my viewing story because one, it was just like it oh, was yeah. week one, and see, I haven't, I, I just don't see that many comedies like week one, and like the fucking roof came off, and the only reason my shit was marred, I lived in San Francisco for a bunch of years, and I always wanted to see 
uh, Dave Chappelle do his like legendary five or six hour stand up shows and uh, never got to do because they sold out in seconds. Sometimes I couldn't afford the hundred and ninety dollars to watch him riff. And so the only time I ever saw Dave Chappelle in San Francisco was at a 3 p.m. week day one screening of Bridesmaids by himself. And Ooh. I just remember my girlfriend like, do you see who that is? I'm like, no, I don't see it. That, that fucking Jack dude. He's like, that's Dave Chappelle. I'm like, no, Dave Chappelle is a, a very skinny man. Uh, that is it. And I turn around like, that's Dave Chappelle by himself going into Bridesmaids in the middle of the afternoon. And the wow. only reason it was ruined is just like, I was like listening for his laughter, yeah. thinking that, and I know now his real laughter is not like, ha, 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 that's his character, his character laughter. That's the only reason this experience is ruined for me. The idea that like I saw Bridesmaids with Dave Chappelle makes me very, very happy. And it was such mm-hmm. a pleasant, funny viewing experience. And, yeah. and the, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I, when did people stop talking about this movie? How come these, these ladies hadn't written anything? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, so I haven't seen this in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, God damn, that was funny. And it's got ev- so many good people in it. And they're all hitting it out of the park. Even with the tiniest of parts, they're just killing it. And then I watched it again. And not only is it incredibly funny, but it's like, it's... <sighs> I can only compare it to high fidelity and that like, this is a comedy that I think can make you a better person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It has some like really insightful things to say about people's emotions and, you know, uh, feeling so sorry for yourself that you hit rock bottom and then you start digging and it's kind of your own fault, but you don't know what to do about it. And like, what do you do when like your friends drift apart or you realize you're not your best friend's best friend. Mm-hmm. Like I've had that experience of like, well. Oh, I thought we're best friends and I was, oh, you're best friends with someone else, but that's okay. Like, I'm not really friends with your best friend, but like, I want to be like, we can be a friend group and realizing like, it's not going to work. That is heartbreaking. Like, (laughs) okay. So y'all know I love friendship. And so I, of course I love this movie because it is a discourse on female friendship and how important it is. And yes, I've had friend breakups that have been worse than breakups that I've had with romantic partners. Like it, it is devastating when you, have a close friendship like that and something happens to mess with it or you perceive something is messing with it and you feel so powerless because you don't have the same sort of language to talk about that sort of thing like you do in a romantic relationship you can accuse your partner of cheating your partner can cheat on you your friend can't really cheat on you Like, that's not really something that we have, like, the language and framework to talk about in society, but it's a feeling that so many people that I've had that I know that a lot of people have had where it feels Mm -hmm. like, no, you're my person. Like, it's so weird that you have an inside joke with someone else. Like, I don't (laughs) – you're flaunting it in front of me. Like, uh, I hate this. Like, that is such – a real feeling, a feeling that I felt so much that I think that's one of the reasons why this movie like means so much to me is because nobody else really articulated it and then put it on screen for all of us to see. Like, mm-hmm. wow, really mind-blowing, like really groundbreaking stuff. I don't know. I yeah. mean, that's just one of yeah. the many still, reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, still, it, it just it was so weird after I watched this and then I watched Everything Must Go and be like, okay, so we have dueling movies by SNL cast members Mm -hmm. that are both about hitting rock bottom. And Mm -hmm. one of them is really sad and a little bit dark, dark humor. And this, I'm like laughing so hard. I have to pause it so I can catch my breath. Mm -hmm. And I mean, some of that is, yeah, this, 
this cast is ridiculous. Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph have such incredible chemistry. Melissa McCarthy is the breakout, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like, this is where everyone knows who she is now. Uh, I feel like that should have gone to Wendy McClendon Covey. She's mm -hmm. so freaking funny. She's, I don't know, 10 lines. And mm -hmm. I just died every time she said something about like, don't understand. I need to have balls in my face. <laughs> <laughs> when she talks about like picking up a blanket and just it's shattering because of I, how disgusting I, her sons are. Oh my like God. I live in a house with three teenage boys. I just, I cracked a blanket over my knee. Yeah. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah, like Matt Lucas and Rebel Wilson. Like, there's so many like weird little tangents this movie goes on. Like Matt Lucas and Rebel Wilson as the worst roommates ever. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're so awful. And it's like, yeah. Oh, I I read your diary. Well, at first I didn't think it was a diary. I thought it was just a really sad handwritten novel. <laughs> <laughs> God. And as usual, applause to Rose Byrne, secret comedy assassin. Mm -hmm. oh. Oh my I God. loved her and get it, get her to the or get him to the Greek that we talked about before and here and spy with so uh, again spy with Melissa McCarthy. Mm. She is amazing in that. Yet again, it's something that makes me angry that nobody that hot should also be that funny. Put I her know, in the man. same category with Paul Rudd and fucking John Hamm. Fucking John Hamm in this is Ugh. so horrible of a person. I love and him. God, so it's much. hilarious. Be, and he's just he's like the perfect person that you're like yeah he's so horrible but i get it <laughs> i totally would still go for it even because he's so attractive but yeah this and why isn't this movie talked about more well, misogyny I, I... it's fucking misogyny oh. that's why <laughs> it's because it's women like i like so i saw this movie by myself and fell in love with it, laughed my ass off. And then I came home and I was like, Sam, you have to come see this movie. You have to come watch it. So like the next week he and I went together and I had that fun experience that everyone hates where you're like looking at the person and you're like, <laughs> see, you see how funny it is. And then I'm like seeing how much he's laughing at things. And I'm like, yay. And then we, I remember like a little while later, we were out with some friends people that i'm not friends with anymore and he was talking about how funny bridesmaids was and one of the girls in that group was like you like bridesmaids like it was weird for sam to like the movie so much because it's about women and i think that's like kind of distills like why people don't like talk about this movie as much as they talk about the hangover or mm. which is far less funny and yeah. and way less deep and yeah I, just... I was I was also going to point out I think it 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 is the rare R rated comedy um yeah. and and yeah. some but none of the stuff seems like they couldn't get it on regular television I think but that's that's where comedies grow in people's minds and I've never I've never caught bridesmaids on TV in the middle of the day I've yeah. just never seen I, that I wonder if some of the idea that oh it's a girl movie is just the title which mm. is kind of incidental to the movie. Like, it's yeah. not really what the movie's about. Like, so many of these ads are telling you that it's the hangover. Like, they're going to go on this crazy weekend in Vegas. And spoiler alert, they don't get there. So <laughs> that never happens. It never so. happens. I think I think I could think of the, the movie poster is pretty iconic. Yeah. It's like it's a, a Ramones parody, like is right. with the word yeah. bridesmaids. When you know that and take that into account, like you get more of the tone of the movie. But if you're just it's a movie called bridesmaids and like, yeah, why well, I wouldn't want to see that either. But, mm -hmm. but yeah, I don't know. Like I, I knew what it was. I'm a big fan of Kristen Wiig and I was there day one and yeah, I haven't. And she, 
she got robbed for awards because yeah. she has to do a lot of complicated emotional stuff in this besides yeah. just being silly and trying not to poop herself. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Kristen Wiig is kind of the she's just so underrated when it comes to that stuff because she's so good in the skeleton twins, which is like such a great exploration of depression. And, and also she still remains very funny in it. Also welcome to me is also like another example of her doing the work. Like she is so underrated as a dramatic comedic actress, like blending it so well that it, kind of defies genre honestly like she does it mm. both so well together that it's not one thing or the other it's both at the same time i don't know it's it's wild honestly like it's it's so crazy how well she does it and also too chris da- o'dowd like this is Aww, for people who don't who ha- did not love the it crowd or weren't as familiar with the it crowd like this is their first introduction to him like even more than Melissa McCarthy. Because, I mean, like, mm. don't forget, like, a sizable amount of people in the population knew Melissa McCarthy from Gilmore Girls as Suki. Right. And then from Mike and Molly, which we all kind of oh, forget yeah. she was on this, like, mainstream yeah, CBS I th- I th- I think that, situation that had, like, comedy. just started. Like, uh, she had was just – she was just getting, like, big exposure. Other than Gilmore Girls, I, I don't know how – like, this is this is where people become very familiar with Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, which yeah. is or at uh, least like we can put her in a movie. Yeah. You know. Which is so wild because again, like she was a main character on a WB like, hour long, <laughs> but an hour long show that went for like seven or eight seasons. Like eh, eh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and Mike Mike and Molly uh started in September twenty ten. Mm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. just getting there, people maybe have seen her mm-hmm. and she's playing a very different character here too. Mm. Oh, just so yeah, un- I, I. She's wearing the most unappealing outfit for any gender. Just like dressed <laughs> like a Republican golfer most of the movie. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Secret Service agent is kind of how I put it. <laughs> but also, too, the guy who plays the air marshal is her real life husband, mm-hmm. and I love that for them. So fun, and often her writing partner. Yeah, I'm sorry. I love literally every single thing about this movie. It d- never hits a wrong note. It always gets there. The whole scene between Kristen Wiig and Rose Byrne, where they're fighting over the microphone during the like engagement <laughs> oh, party, is hits the exact perfect tone of like awkward and funny. <sighs> I could talk about this movie yeah. for hours. It was, it was nominated so for two Oscars as well. Yeah, like I, I'm still, I'm still shocked, but and just how. It is odd that I feel like I would have had to gone out of my way to see a movie like this that grossed this much, that uh, was talked about this much, that was nominated for Oscars, and it's it is on you can stream it on Peacock, but um, yep. yeah, I just it never fell into my lap ever again. Where I feel like other huge comedies did, or maybe sequels help out with that that momentum, and obviously because, the sexism you talk about. But I'm sorry, and also like fucking dudes quoting it at parties that puts those movies in your face the way that this does not mm. like we have a, we have, we've all been to parties where dudes are constantly quoting fucking old school and wedding crashers mm. and you know the hangover and making t-shirts about all of those movies and and you don't have that with this and it's fundamentally yeah, no one's dressing up like any of the characters for halloween yeah, it's I, I guess that, that that's it felt like it was going to be like a watershed moment for more things like it, and it just wasn't. Like yeah. Melissa McCarthy mm-hmm. made more movies with Paul Feig, the director of this movie, and that was it. Well, it's also too like a very good. It just covers so much ground because it also covers sort of the economic collapse. Mm-hmm. I mean, it yeah. talks about like the 
feeling of being lost that so many people in that time period felt when, you know, the economic collapse happened and businesses went under and people had to move back in with their parents and like couldn't afford their lifestyles. And and then there are other people who were getting richer. And how do you like reconcile that? I mean, it addresses so much stuff. It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty crazy, honestly. Yeah. I, I, of so many things that we've been watching lately and we've got a lot of stuff heading into the summer. I'm working ahead. And this was like the happiest rediscovery I've had in a long time of Mm -hmm. like, Oh God, I remembered parts of it. I remembered stuff that was funny, but I forgot how many kinds of comedy are in it, how much like emotional stuff is like, ah, this is just great. I implore you to watch or rewatch Bridesmaids again. Yeah. Absolutely. Plus, we could also credit it with a 20-year revival of Hold On by Wilson Phillips. Yeah. <laughs> movie, Coming out right? as like, oh yeah, this is everyone in my generation's like favorite song from our childhood. <laughs> do you have a little dance made up with your friends that you do? Oh, I definitely did when I was, yeah, when it came out in 91. For sure. <laughs> And uh, yeah, Bridesmaids, see it streaming on Peacock. Yeah, it, it's definitely worth a revisit. Ooh, a lot of this stuff isn't, though. 2011 television, <laughs> CBS announces Ashton Kutcher will replace Charlie Sheen on Two and a Half Men. Uh, I'm going to leave that up for the community to tell me what kind of impact <laughs> that had or how that was felt. I've never seen an episode of that show. I do know I've seen promos for that show airing in reruns on other networks, and they never, ever show Ashton Kutcher as being a part of the show. So I'm not sure how well-received it was. Um, And then uh, this is stupid, yet notable. Uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force changes its name for the first time. Its last four seasons will change their name for no reason at all. And They just hate DVRs. They're just fucking with us. It's uh, so rude. The theme song's fun. There's no reason for. It. I think the next the next season is called like Aqua TV Show Show, and just just right. to fuck with your DVRs. Uh, but yep, hey, maybe Aqu- Aqua Unit Patrol Squad One, which I love, <laughs> sounds even tougher than Aqua Teen Hunger Force, and it's the same show. Nothing has changed. It's yeah. just a bunch of idiots sitting around. Zero, yeah. <laughs> zero bearing on anything that happens in the episodes. <laughs> Um, and then, oh, we can talk about this, lay this to rest, Community <laughs> Season 2, Part 2 of the two-part finale for a few paintballs more. Abed says the best, like, uh, we seem to switch from a Western parody to a Star Wars parody. And everyone goes, oh, he's like, I know, I'm sorry it took so long to happen, too. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> this is, it's a, a, another great episode wrapping up. Uh, the the last of the paintball episodes, but I think they will find things just as clever as the paintball episodes. Lava World. Oh, um, Lava World. Love stuff it. like that. The, I love Community so much. It's been so fun to revisit during the pandemic. I love this clip um, because it is a great line from Community's oldest cast member, Leonard, who is now no longer with us. But if you don't know, Community takes place in a community college of people of varying ages and education. And Troy has a plan to win the paintball contest. And it's actually pretty clever. Troy, do you happen to have a better plan? I do happen, Jeff. I happen very much. We use sneak attacks to draw their patrols to the library, where one of us will pull the fire alarm, activating the sprinklers, which I will have rigged using my super plumbing skills to shower everything in the building with paint. Paint in sprinklers? Are we the little rascals? I was. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, God, I love a good old Little Rascals joke. Always makes me laugh. Uh, um, uh, and then Parks and Rec airs the episode The Fight, um, okay. also known as the Snake Juice episode. <gasps> Snake mm. Juice! Oh, my this, God. This oh, my God. Prob- this is definitely my favorite episode of Parks and Rec of all time. It's one of my favorite sitcom episodes of all time. Yes. I love this episode so much. I constructed my own piece of costuming based on it. Oh, I need to know everything about this. Go ahead. I have a very accurate handmade Janet Snake Hole hat so I can put it loosely on my head and dance around like Ron Swanson. Thank you. One of my favorite gifts that come out of the show is (laughs) the happiest you've ever seen Ron Swanson. Oh, my God. (laughs) This episode is so good. Like, you've got the Snake Hole Lounge. You've got a lot of sight. I mean, Sean Ralphio is there. Nick Kroll is there as the douche it's <laughs> so good and so the whole crew shows up to the snake hole lounge for the unveiling of their new beverage snake juice which is a very potent alcoholic beverage and meanwhile during all this Anne and leslie are having a huge fight the first big fight in their relationship again friendship and usually I'm not a huge fan of people playing drunk because nobody does a very good job of it but Man, oh man, does Parks and Rec get it right? Like the little vignette where it just shows everyone being drunk off their asses on snake juice and how they, the kind of drunk everyone is, is so wonderful. But the clip that I pulled first is uh, a little clip that's really showing the fight between Anne and Leslie because when two ladies, when two ladies are drunk and they're fighting and they love each other, but they're trying to get their feelings out. It is difficult. <laughs> I I swear to God, I have heard these these exact people talk exactly this way in ladies' rooms and clubs for the last twenty years. Yeah, and so I know, is- and they nail it because it's such a very specific. There's a very specific vibe to a club ladies' room where everyone's really messed up. Yeah. There's there's two kinds. There's everyone is very supportive of each other, mm-hmm. and then that includes when someone's having a problem. It's like she's and it's just like are those words um Mm -hmm. yeah usually the answer is to just say oh he doesn't deserve you Mm -mm. and then everyone hugs total strangers yeah this is so good and so i picked up a little bit from before they get to the bathroom where they are like fighting and they're like trying to because in the middle of all this poor ben and leslie are also trying to figure out we like each other what are we going to do about it so i picked up a little bit before we're She's just super drunk and trying to manage both things at the same time and then goes right into the bathroom fight. And oh, it's so good. Are you okay? I heard yelling. Yeah, I'm very angry and I'm really drunk. Do you want to dance with me? Go get me another snork juice. Oh, that's that's maybe not the best idea for you. Forget it. John Ralphio. Yes, I'm here. Dance up on me. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. This is my first fight with Anne. And it's a doozy. But I believe that honest discussions between friends can lead to deeper intimacy. This is a watershed moment in our relationship, and it's important that we fight clean. All I need to do is focus and stay calm. You're stupid, and you're jerk, and you're stupid. Also, a thing that has stuck with me for so long is after the morning after, where everybody is recovering from the snake juice, and they're all back at work, and... I realize I am Ben Wyatt based on the line that he utters in this episode where they're all extremely hungover. We have to go hire a new PR director for the health department. 
Oh my god, I'm so hungover. I've never been this hungover. Are we dead? I feel great. I ran 5K this morning. Really? No, I threw up in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> I am a shower thrower upper with a hangover, and I have to say, anybody who also suffers from a pukey hangover existence, the shower barf is kind of your best bet because at that point, you usually have nothing on your stomach. You are emptied yeah. out and you just need to be in a place where water is rushing over you. Like our ancestors probably got under a waterfall to throw up. It's fine. Just do yeah, it. You can be as messy as you want. Exactly. Because it's getting cleaned. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. And then you can go right into the crying. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just seamless you know wow. and uh <laughs> that's great well i should i there was so much to look into i didn't even look into the smallville finale a show i avoided like the fucking plague just because it was uh just because it was very it was very long and i'm very into superman but i remember them talking at the 20th and last episode of this 10th season of the superman show will he finally fly i'm like i'm so glad i never watched this show <laughs> oh my like, god that's a long time never man. ever did superman things in the superman show so again is it hmm. just a teen soap then really? yeah pretty much okay but with uh with superman it. characters who all have strangely met muppet baby style before they're ever in like the same city uh they're, well, they're they're all grew up around one another it's okay it's a comic book it's a multiverse right right yes it's okay one it's does the existence of one things. thing does not negate another thing it's fine mm-hmm. uh and the brothers and sisters finale the sequel series to sisters now you know, that's so <laughs> weird that we had sisters premiering and we have brothers and sisters ending they have nothing to do with each other except that they're both kind of primetime soaps mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah oh. and brothers and sisters went five seasons and it had sally field in it that's all i need to know fuck yeah, yeah. calista flockhart and rachel griffiths i believe as Ooh. well yeah i Thank remember you. seeing the cast and like i should watch this show and then never did and then the, this weekend on snl your host tina fey and uh musical guest ellie goulding am i saying that right that's a person i've never heard of uh You've heard her music. a fun fun episode I think the most pregnant person I've ever seen host SNL uh, and Tina Fey and Maya Rudolph joins her. They both got huge, huge bumps uh, on the stage. And I, I would have to say the most famous sketch is the Lonely Island Michael Bolton parody premieres ah. on this episode. And I feel like that's one of the, not, even if it's not one of their best, I remember when it happened, I was like, wow. I haven't thought about Michael Bolton in 15 years. And this is wonderful. Thank you so much. I didn't I didn't even think of him enough to hate him. And then he, he pops up in a Lonely Island sketch. There's no reason to hate Michael Bolton. There was honestly. for me. As a little kid, and all you have is a radio a radio with a couple radio stations. That's like your only media you get to use on demand. And then a, a, your station changes formats. And instead mm-hmm. of listening to rock music every night... You're listening to Michael Bolton covers and cursing the man. That did happen to me. It, That's not his fault. That's it's not his you fault. Need to work out with yourself. It's not his fault. Yeah. No, it's something I needed to work out with a letter writing campaign to the goddamn radio station. <laughs> Look, uh, he's a sole survivor, so <laughs> you really need to cut him some slack. Is that a song? Is that a movie he's in? It's a reference I don't get. Oh, uh, but uh, moving into video games of 2011, the seventh uh, of May through the thirteenth, <laughs> the crossover series MX versus ATV alive, uh, Virtua Tennis uh-huh. Four, Lego Pirates of the Caribbean, and I remember how much fun Tyler and I had trying to brainstorm awful puns for the headline uh, for the game Brink. I believe the headline for his review was eventually <laughs> because it wasn't good. Uh, it's 
she's a brink and she's drowning slowly. Uh, but uh, I, I think I really think that's what he, he <laughs> what the subhead was. Um, I would have just gone with it. brink sinks. Uh, I mm. we were very close to. I remember. He drinks a whiskey brink. He drinks a vodka brink. <laughs> um, but then we couldn't decide how many brinks. Do we say brink instead of drink too? He brings a whiskey brink. He mm. brings a <laughs> vodka brink. Sorry, this is the things we did. We sat outside smoking about serious video game business. And again, you'll hear way more about information about that on the video game show. We got a brand new one up for you right now. We're catching up. We're a little behind, but um, we're still having fun. We got a really big one with Mr. Dino Goodman, Michael Parez, and Maddie Allen. So please check that out on our Patreon, patreon.com slash laser time. Five bucks. What? What do you. Why, why isn't the headline just Brink Stinks? Brink. That's. <laughs> if it was the 1930s in a newspaper, <laughs> that would have been perfect. <laughs> uh, we had too much space to fill. Um, oh, brink of disaster! Brink, yes. Oh, come on, perfect. Or just brink a disaster. It there, drinks. brink a disaster. Oh my god, even yeah. better. Colon, brink, colon, a, a disaster. disaster. <laughs> oh my god, brink. Diana, why weren't we there? We could have totally taken care of all of this. Come on. Oh, it's enough with this punditry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Patreon, all that stuff. New sick of Star Wars. Die, where can people find you? Oh, and please listen up. We got a. Uh, we're going to tell you who died during this period, and uh, I'm hopefully going to continue my sweep of the birthday quiz. But die, where mm. can people find you? They can find me on the Twitter at listenerd. L e c i n e n e r d, or follow the show at thirty twenty ten podcast three zero two zero one zero podcast. And coming up next week, the next couple of weeks. This has been a big week. The next couple of weeks get fucking massive. Wait, somebody once told me that next week is going to be huge. Oh, no. oh, you mean the the only movie the Library of Congress thinks from 2001 is artistically, historically, or culturally significant? Oh, no. Really? That hey now. movie? Hey, now. It's a great movie. <laughs> oh, just yeah. right up to the it's edge. It's better there. than Shark Week. It's Shrek Week! Well, that episode yes. will be love and life and... Something else that'll appeal to Xennials? I don't know. I hate that movie, but... <laughs> Rewatch it. All right, Come on. I will. This, this, this part of the thing is reappraise things. Sure. Mm -hmm. So... It's 20 years old. You got to rewatch it. Sure. But again, I, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you next week. I was tortured with many viewings against my will of that movie. So, all right. Yeah. That's the ill will I harbor. But who died during this period? Uh, well, getting into births and deaths, uh, I'm going to do deaths backwards, uh, going from oldest to youngest. In 2011, we lost Dolores Fuller, who is 88. Uh, she is Edward's co star in Glenn or Glenda. Wow. And she also wrote some songs for Elvis. Um, yeah, Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker in the movie? Yes, exactly. Then in 2001, we lost Perry Como, who is 89, mm. who is, you know, a popular singer. And if you wanted to know what world would be like without rock and roll, it would be a lot of Perry Como. Mm. Uh, we also lost Jason Miller, who is 62. He's the younger exorcist in The Exorcist, who is also a writer. And then, speaking of writers, 20 years ago this week, that's when we lost Douglas Adams, who's only Oof. 49. Oof. Yeah. Which I only say oh, now that I'm 40, so young. But yeah. uh, how, did, how did we lose Douglas Adams? Cancer. cancer. I believe it was cancer. Yeah. yeah. So carry your towel with you and hitchhike across the galaxy in his honor. Oh, boy. Does his writing And most annoying. of all, don't panic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and with uh, the death that away, you got to see who lived with the b -b -b birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo. A ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. We got birthday buddies this week, everybody. Ooh. We have two people born the same day, the same year, both turning 35, both more famous than us. 
That's my peers. Fair. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's start with born May 13th, 1986 in New York City. Her father is a painter and her mother is a photographer known for her use of dolls and doll furniture. Uh, Lena Dunham. There you go. Jesus Thank Christ. you. No I, had to do the, I had to do that one early because the things we've talked about of hers are she's a voice on Adventure Time, Tiny Furniture, and Girls. That's so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But talk about funny people. Yeah, yeah, that that covers it. Yeah. So the same day, born May 13th, 1986 in London, his mom was a booker with a modeling agency. That's how he got his first gig around age 12. Hmm. Who's someone That's, who's someone younger than me, English and not pretty enough to get their own modeling contract? Yeah. Hmm. That's also the time uh, around age 12 he was expelled from school for stealing adult magazines to sell to other students. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. James McAvoy. No, good guess, but he's Scottish. Oh. But just, it's like he just keeps adding to the cred. I, I had never heard that. That's amazing. Anyway, he finished school elsewhere, got into acting to overcome his shyness, and considered a career as a guitarist instead. This does not help at all. It's Since then, he's been one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People, and he has worked with the directors David Cronenberg twice, Werner Herzog, where he played T.E. Lawrence. Viggo Mortensen? No, he's not no. 35. What the fuck? The Safdie brothers and Christopher Nolan. Timothy Chalamet. No. No, he's not 35 either. Mm-mm. Okay, so we've talked about him in the movie Oh, Little Robert Ashes. Pattinson? It is Robert Pattinson. Oh! Yay. I, that seems the streak is semi-unbroken. Safdie brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good mm-hmm. times. I had to think Good of it time. for a second. Um, yep. And uh, Cronenberg was Cosmopolis and Maps of the Stars. Hertzog yeah. is Queen of the Desert. Tenet for Christopher Nolan. Uh, yeah, we also talked about him in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. It's archival footage because he was dead. Uh, Water for Elephants, <laughs> Remember Me, <laughs> and Twilight's 1, 2, and 3. Yay. Yay. Honestly, yeah. I feel like a weight has lifted now that I've guessed one correct. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it was a bit of a given. It's it was a little, I, I was yeah. hoping one of you would grab that obviousness. I, with I, I wouldn't have got it, gotten it from that information. Not at all. All right. So, yeah, Robert Pattinson just, oh, damn it. He's calling on the phone right now. Don't mention me in your stupid fucking program. Uh, Is that that a good Robert Pattinson accent? I was going to say, like, I, besides the Twilight stuff, Robert Pattinson just has so much street cred for me, for, like, how all he does is, like, weird shit now. Mm -hmm. But finding out that he was a tiny porn peddler when he was 12. I I, I mean, honestly, he and Kristen Stewart have really given us so much after post twilight like a thousand percent i always quote my friend jeremy from sick Sick of star wars he he was making fun of people like robert pattinson is batman the twilight kids like you know when you you make fun of robert pattinson you're really just exposing how ignorant you are to like good movies that dude has been a Mm -hmm. mark of quality for like the last seven years like he was in a movie it is usually weird or like completely worth watching Mm -hmm. good times and just uh lighthouse and and that city of z or Zed, I should say. Yeah. If that, that is in a movie, sk- and like everyone skipped that one and he's great in it. That marijuana movie I forget the name of, uh, he's been killing it, dude. That guy's that guy's been some great shit. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy, you can find it on Yep. Anyway. And if and you know, just to keep the theme going from this week, if they start complaining, say Heath Ledger. You said the same Psycho thing about Dick. Heath Ledger. And you was wrong. Oh, an- mm-hmm. so okay, I'm gonna leave it dealer's choice because we had the Lonely Island album. Do you have a favorite off of Lonely Island uh, I do. Turtleneck and Chain? Because you just Mike, said Michael Bolton, so we could do that. Michael yeah. Bolton is a mad cinephile. <laughs> but there's also The Creep, and I threw it on the ground. I love both of those so much. Yeah, I quoted, are... I threw it on the ground the other day. I I, I still I, feel strongly. 
I dropped a cookie and I just looked at him and went, happy birthday to the ground. Happy birthday to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I still feel strongly Michael Bolton is the best song. I agree. Um, okay. Best song. Without the visuals, it's the best one. Please, people, be there next week. Tell a friend, maybe. Join in uh, your love of the show. Consider mm-hmm. patreon.com slash laser time to support this show and the whole laser time network. Thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs> Take us out, I'm Michael sorry. Bolton. Is the song called Michael Bolton? The song is called Jack Sparrow. The song is called Jack Sparrow. Mm-hmm. That uh, is a sneak preview for next week. There you go. Uh, I mean, there wasn't a Lego Pirates of the Caribbean for no reason. All right. For- ah, but which one will we be talking about? There are so many. Oh, goodness. Please take us out, Michael Bolton. Club. Club.